okay, if I act from the old story, what would I do? If I act from the new story, what would I do? Which one feels more aligned? Which one feels more in touch with my intuition and sense of self-trust? Hey guys, welcome to our SoulFam podcast where I interview space holders from all over the world. I am your host, my name is Carolina, and I am the Connection Catalyst. Today on the show, we have Kayla Salisbury, the self-trust coach. Welcome to the show, Kayla. How are you doing? Thank you so much. I'm so good. It's such an honor to be here chatting with you. I'm so excited. I am super excited too, because we have some amazing topics coming in, especially that self-trust is such a big, big theme. I feel like in everyone's life, it's a theme, if, whether they know it or not consciously, because <laughs> it might be only subconscious, but I feel like I literally have never, never met a person in terms of who I'm working with or just generally in life who has no uh, trust issues with themselves because any anyone has some kind of like self-esteem stuff and it's always connected to self-trust so I'm just so excited to uh, talk to you about these things because it's so important and crucial I feel but let's start maybe a little bit from your journey like how did you get to become a coach what has inspired you to choose this specific path yeah, it's such a good question. And it's a lot I can have, you know, short answer and long answer. So I'll just middle. start talking and see what comes up. Yeah, middle. Okay. Um, let's see. So I've always been interested in, you know, self growth and healing. I um, have always wanted to know myself better. And so I've, you know, sought out all the healing modalities. I did a yoga teacher training, I've done meditation retreats. And then I ended up going to graduate school for psychology. And that kind of grounded all of my healing journey into more of a psychological lens, more uh, psychological theory, some trauma-informed uh, work, which has been really helpful for me to move through some of my own process. Um, and also the somatic part was a really big piece for me, figuring out like where all of that lives in my body. Um, so I kind of came to this work through my own healing journey. You know, it was just me figuring out what I needed to feel good, to feel inspired, to do the work in the world that I wanted to do. Um, and so I've been a therapist for about a year now and loving it. I love that work. Um, but I always felt like I was called to something else in addition. So I would love to keep doing that work, but I feel like this new business that I'm creating, the self-trust coaching, it feels so inspiring to me because I feel like, like you said, everyone needs that. It, it's such an important part of who we are, understanding who we are, what we want, how to trust ourselves and I feel like that's been the big theme for me is how to trust myself, how to stay grounded in my experience, how to show up in the world as the fullest expression of who I am. And I'm just so inspired to, you know, offer that to other people because it's been life changing for me. So that's kind of what got me here. Amazing. Sounds great. And, you know, it's always our own journey of healing that brings us to know how to do this and then to share it with the world. So that's really, really great. And so I'm curious to know because you studied psychology, right? And I didn't really study psychology. I mean, I know a lot about psychology, but it was more like my own research, exploring Enneagram, uh, you know, typology or uh, doing the psychotherapeutic work with people. So I know a lot of things about psychology, but not from the studies standpoint. So I'm really curious, you know, from your perspective, because you've already done healing and probably some shadow work and probably some other types of work. Do they actually really teach on psychological studies what is really changing people? Because I feel like a lot of 
at least maybe in Poland or in other places maybe as well, there is a lot of studying just like random shit that is not even necessary for people to know to actually change themselves, you know? Like, okay, how the brain operates, mm -hmm. yeah, that's good, that's great. But like, can you actually go and make a shift in the consciousness of someone if someone has a problem, right? So how do you perceive it from your perspective? And it's probably very subjective, right? Because it depends where you study, depends from who you learn and everything. But do you feel like your studies gave you actually the beautiful foundation for understanding how to heal? Mm, it's such a good question. Um, yes and no. Uh, I think yes, in some ways, um, it felt like my education grounded me in this um, more trauma-informed lens. Kind of like I said, there's a way in which the somatic experience that trauma lives in our bodies, that has been studied really thoroughly. Um, there has been quite a lot of research around the way that trauma is stored in our bodies, some of these methods and modalities that can help us move that through. Um, and there's a lot of yeah, research and um, particular methods grounded in that research, which has been really helpful for me to learn. Um, so I'd say the, tra um, the trauma piece is something that in school felt um, really inspiring and helpful for me to learn. And then, like you said, sometimes there's more of this uh, intangible quality to some of this research. A lot of it is really helpful and necessary for us to understand the mind and the brain and how it works. Um, but there's a way in which it doesn't always feel accessible or like we can apply that to our life. Um, and so I think that's where this coaching middle ground can come in sometimes. There's a way in which as coaches, we can show up um, with a little more of ourselves, a little more of our um, intuitive understanding that isn't always, you know, taught or it's not able to be researched. And so when we show up in this way, we can bring, you know, more of that spiritual, transpersonal, um, underlying truth that we have gained from our own experience. And so there's a way in which bringing those things together, the research, the practical, as well as the, you know, intuitive and personal is, is really powerful for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. So if we just bring a little more intuition, like a, a spark of intuition into the psychological studies, then it's going to be great. <laughs> and we're manifesting it in the new exactly. earth that is coming for sure. At least I am and I'm a manifester generator. So I know that at some point it needs to happen uh, at some point in life. Maybe not in my lifetime, who knows, but at some point children will meditate at school and, and everyone is going to know how to release emotions and we're going to live in a beautiful paradise society when that uh, happens. And so based on what you said, what are kind of the modalities that are taught uh, on the studies? Like when you study psychology, what are the modalities that are actually going into childhood trauma and releasing it there? What do you, which one did you find like the most effective maybe in healing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so two come to mind. One is somatic experiencing, which is a, a method created by Peter, Dr. Peter Levine, um, been very well researched and studied. He's been, <clears throat> excuse me, he's been doing this for over maybe 30 years, many decades. And so it's really well grounded in research and I got to take a training with him. And so that was really powerful. And that is, um, a lot around the way the body stores trauma and some of these movement practices to get that, uh, trauma moving through us and get that energy that's been stagnant. That's kind of been constricted kind of finding a way to um, to move it through. And then another one that comes to mind is psychosomatic um, psychosomatic therapy. 
Um, oh, sensory motor psychotherapy. I knew some words in there. Um, anyway, so this is one that's also around the body and processing some of the trauma that gets stored in our body. So that's another one that, that has mm-hmm. been really helpful for me. That's amazing. Thank you so much for explaining it because recently I've been actually uh, trying to find someone for some of my family members because obviously if I do this work for some family members, I'm not an authority enough to guide them through their feelings, right? They're not going to just listen to me to say stay in the emotion. So I've been looking, researching in my own own town here in Poland, in Szczecin, and I've been calling all these different psychotherapists and psychologists and I was like, yeah, so I'm looking for someone who just gets you to the childhood trauma straight away and most of them were like, yeah, but first we need to meet we need to spend a few weeks building trust we need to do this i'm like no you don't (laughs) i mean i know that i i work differently i'm very intense and i'm very like straight to the point straight to the problem let's resolve it straight away right and so i know that some some people maybe have a lot of trauma and they need to build this trust and that's okay and i understand that there's an approach that many people need but i couldn't find anyone who who would have the approach that I'm looking for, like just straight to the core problem. And therefore I'm asking these questions because, you know, I understand that for people who are very closed off, they have a lot of hard walls or just a lot of uh, distrust as, as you know, probably coming from self-trust because everything is a mirror. Um, but anyway, we're going to get to self-trust later. Um, but if someone has really big trust issues, then of course it's better to maybe work with them for a few weeks so that they can open up. And sometimes in order to get to the deepest trauma, of course you need to go through some lighter traumas in a way so that your nervous system gets used to it and so on. But honestly, it was so hard for me to find someone who does uh, things like I do. For example, I do the method called completion process where you focus on an emotion and you go back to the very first time that this emotion has ever happened to you and then you release it there. You relive it so that you can express all these emotions and then you reparent your inner child and there are more steps to this process. But more or less like this so that you can actually meet someone and within one and a half or two hours, uh, one trauma is out of your body. I just couldn't find anyone who would do this. Um, And I'm just like, is it so just uncommon around, you know, psychological and psychotherapeutic field to do it in this way? Like, is it all based on like years of therapy always? That's that's why I was asking, because maybe I should just find someone, you know, with psychosomatic work or some other modalities that they are doing it here. Because, yeah, I just couldn't. It wasn't that easy for me to find, but I will research because I want everyone to experience healing. Um, But yeah, I'm just really appreciating you sharing these modalities because I really am looking for spot-on, effective, fast uh, resolution, right? And release. And just not everyone works in this way. Like, not all the things, I think, can be resolved with, like, talk therapy or, you know, other uh, other work. Sometimes you need to go deep into the shit, <laughs> as I call it, and just go to the trauma to, to fully release it. But, yeah, let's go to this uh, self-trust topic because mm. I feel like it's a big, big theme and we can talk about it in many different ways. And I feel like... The, of course, if you don't trust others, it's stemming from you not trusting yourself, like a part of you not trusting another part of you. So then in order to trust yourself, the, something innerly needs to be resolved. So what are your methods working with your clients and with yourself maybe as well? Uh, what are your best methods? Maybe like a few of them, maybe like top three or something uh, to build this trust. Because, you know, I guess it's like building a muscle. I don't think it's you can just trust yourself straight away if you haven't trusted yourself for the whole life (laughs) then you cannot just trust trust yourself Mm -hmm. straight away but what are your top three methods for trusting yourself even more yeah great question and i'm so excited to to answer that and talk about that i did want to just um touch on what you were sharing around like processing the trauma and you know going deep and i think 
um, the methods that I mentioned are really grounded in psychotherapy, the psychotherapy model of the relationship. And so I don't know if you'd be able to find someone doing that type of work in kind of that short term targeted um, way. EMDR could be something to look into around that. Sometimes that is more of a targeted um, approach, but it's tricky because you know, there is this desire to kind of go right to the heart of it, get to the core, like process the trauma. And there's a way in which our psyche isn't always ready to go there. Our body isn't always ready to go there. And so um, as a therapist, it feels so important just for me to name the like safety piece of like feeling safe. Um, and so, yeah, it's a tricky line. Um, so anyways, just wanted to, to yeah, name that. And, that kind and of you're right. And it's not for everyone to do it in this way that I am choosing, right? Because as I said, I am intense. I'm just straight to the freaking core problem and releasing it there and, and just bang, bang, bang. But I know that some people need something completely else. And I'm also an extrovert. So it's easy for me to just go and open up in front of someone. And so I believe that this long process of working with someone has like makes sense right uh, for to maybe align with older people not with intense people like me who just want to go straight into the into the shit <laughs> you know but yeah you're right like it's probably yeah. the best taking everyone into account it's probably the best to feel safe and to build trust although i feel like some people like me can feel safe straight away and then they should also have an option to just mm -hmm. go deep straight away <laughs> totally yeah i hear you um, and it's interesting because that kind of like goes into the question that you asked around how to develop self-trust because I think the safety is the first piece, like feeling safe enough within ourselves um, alone and with ourselves and then also in relationship, like how do we feel safe with another person? Um, and so one method for me is journaling. That's a big one for me is writing. I've always expressed myself the best through writing and poetry and there's a way in which kind of just putting your words on paper can help cultivate the safety with oneself. So it can help you trust yourself a little bit more of getting to know what's really underneath. You know, we have these thoughts in our minds and these feelings and, you know, inner chaos sometimes that can be confusing. But when you sit down and put pen to paper and actually write it down, things can become a lot clearer. So that's a big one for me. Um, another one is movement. Uh, back to the trauma piece, like the way that our bodies store emotions, it's so important to move that through us. So, you know, I, I love yoga. I love running. I love um, any type of movement practice that can kind of let something go. Um, so that's a big one for me. And I feel like I was so disconnected from my body for so long that when I first became more in touch with my body by doing yoga, it was scary. It was so scary because I was like, what are all these sensations? I've never, you know, I was dissociated. And so when I actually started to feel it, I was confused and I was like, I, I didn't sign up for this. This isn't what I wanted. Um, but there's a way in which once you kind of get through that initial discomfort and fear, it can really help you cultivate that, that self-trust. Um, and the last thing I'll say about that is kind of pushing yourself to do things, you know, that line between safety and pushing and challenge and, you know, uh, pushing up against your edge, you know, like doing this, like my first podcast guesting spot, you know, this is an edge for me, but showing up and doing it feels like every time I do that, I cultivate some more trust in myself of like, okay, I can do this, you know, I can show up, I can do the hard thing. Um, I can be uncomfortable and that that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And I feel like it's 
building like a muscle is building your capacity for more and more the more uncomfortable things you do the more you can actually be like oh i'm strong enough to handle this i'm strong enough to do something like despite uh, of discomfort that i'm feeling i'm strong enough to go through anything and so many times this is actually like if we do the thing that we are scared of or we find uncomfortable this is our actually our learning our growth our expansion to be able to handle even more than that it's like always expanding always building more and more capacity and so that's really interesting because there is like safety right so safety is kind of like comfort and so uh making sure that you are comfortable and safe but at the same time going beyond your comfort zone right so it's kind of like both some someone could say it's like the polarity it's not uh, it's like the opposite right doing something that doesn't make you feel fully safe but also feeling safe it's a, a trust building um method I, i i really like it because i feel like we are all uh, this whole world is built on like uh, polarities like we are all one and we're separate at the same time like what the hell <laughs> how how does it even happen <laughs> you know right, it's all and paradox like, we just we are love but we also have hate and it's like okay <laughs> i feel like it's so so random but yeah it's beautiful so coming coming to this uh, first tip that you gave safety I feel like this is such a big one for everyone, especially now, like, you know, war and pandemics ending and, you know, all these mm -hmm. things. Like, what do you feel like safety means or what does it mean to you? Because I feel like it can mm -hmm. be perceived in various ways. And I'm really curious about what you, how do you define it? It's mm, a good question. How do I define the safety? <sighs> I think for me, it feels... It feels kind of like this underlying okayness, you know, like even when the external world around me feels chaotic or even when in my personal life something feels sticky or hard, that there's this way in which I trust, I believe, I feel that I am okay always. Like there's this core part of me that can't be shaken, you know, even when I'm dysregulated or even when I'm having a hard time, I I can usually access that place that feels solid and okay. And it's kind of this, you know, more spiritual transpersonal aspect of like, um, like, who am I really, you know, who am I really without all of the external stuff and the stories and the thoughts. Um, so for me, safety means getting in touch with that, like inner knowing that inner essence, my true self, if you will. Um, and yeah, it's taken a long time to cultivate. It's something I'm really proud of to be able to drop in and access that even when I'm feeling a little lost mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's beautiful and I feel like you mentioned also you know embodying and getting in touch with your body how important that is and I feel like safety is also if you want to feel safe in your body it's also feeling safe feeling everything <laughs> in terms of being okay as you said yes. it's like being okay with anything so being okay with any emotion that arises because if you're gonna resist anything and and fear any any emotion that you have, right, then you're never going to feel safe because if you have any resistance to any feeling and pretty much any emotion can come at any time. <laughs> so if you don't feel safe feeling them, mm -hmm. then you're never going right. to really feel safe. So I feel like it's so interconnected, the emotional work and just really accepting and, and letting these emotions be within us 
without having to change them, without escaping from them, without coping mechanisms, just really being with them. Because that's so, that's what I perceive like self-trust is built on as well. Like, okay, I'm allowing this emotion to be with me and I'm okay with it. And I can go beyond it in terms of I can feel it to the fullest so that this energy is out of my body. And then when you are able to sit with yourself and instead of abandoning yourself and going, you know, to smoke cigarette or drinking alcohol or go hang out with friends, you're actually with yourself in this moment. And instead of like escaping and abandoning, you are present, right? This is also, I feel, very important factor in building safety and trust for yourself because it's like, okay, I trust that I can always be with myself, no matter what I feel, I'm just unconditionally present with myself. And so that's what I found was a very big one on the journey of myself when it comes to self-trust, to just really be and learn how to be with all my all of my feelings. Because before it was really challenging for me. If you ask me like, I don't know, five years ago, if I can feel negativity, I would be like, what for? Life is so beautiful. I create my own reality. I'm just going to focus on the positive, right? But now I know that it wasn't actually safe because all these parts of me that felt emotional didn't feel safe to feel it, right? Because I wasn't there for them. I was abandoning them. I was rejecting, denying, disowning, whatever else. So for me, it was such a big one uh, when it comes to self-trust. So I just wanted to, to share this uh, with everyone. Um, and also, I would love That's to lovely, talk about this trust point. when it comes to trusting your intuition. Because this is a, a theme in the spiritual field. Like, how do you know whether it is your intuition talking or whether it is your fear and subconscious mind and instinct talking? So how do you differentiate that? Yeah, I love that question. Um, for me, it comes down to a couple of things. So I notice that for me, when I'm in fear and a fear response... Um, I often feel constricted. So, you know, I'll feel like I'm acting from this place of trying to keep myself safe. So I keep myself small. And so there's this way in which it has kind of this constriction energy, this closing off. Um, whereas acting from my intuition, even if it's a scary thing, even if it's like pushing myself out of my comfort zone, it often has an expansive feeling. It has a hopeful or regenerative or um, exciting quality to it and it can often be it's such a fine line it takes that's why it takes some work to kind of hone that muscle and figure out that difference but when you're able to tune into that often there's a difference between the constriction and the expanse expansion um and the other thing would be at least for me there's a way in which the voice in my head when i'm coming from fear is often really loud you know it yells at me it tells me don't do that that's not safe you know it, it's very loud whereas the voice that is coming from this place of trust and intuition and knowing it's often really quiet you know it's often a kind of like a whisper but it has this presence to it it's kind of like this what came to mind was just like this feeling when you walk into a church or into a sacred space you know it's like this awe this magnificence this like feeling of sacred um and often that's that's the intuition for me is just this kind of like oh you know this aha this knowing um so that's what comes to mind around that mm -hmm. perfect and i also feel like sometimes our intuition can tell us for example don't go there and there could that could sound like fear because in our mind, it's like, oh, don't go there because something is going to happen. But then um, my one of my mentors, uh, Teal Swan, the one that also created the completion process, a method that I'm using uh, to facilitate with my clients, she was saying, okay, if you don't know if it's your fear or, or your intuition, go into the fear 
and release it and sit with it, be present with it. And then once you work with the fear or with any resistance, it could be any emotion really, right? It doesn't have to be fear, but fear is an example. Once you sit with it and you release it from your body, if your decision is still going to be like, no, I'm not going to go there. If, if still your inner voice says no, then it means that it's your intuition because the, the emotional charge beneath this thought or beneath this mm, calling is already released. So then you can be kind of sure that you are just maybe feeling your your heart saying or your soul saying, whoever you believe it is, saying like, oh, don't go there. It's not the right path for you. It's just not. And But you don't do it from like resistance standpoint, from like, I'm afraid to go there. It's like, this is not my path. This is not maybe for my highest soul's growth uh, or whatever. And I feel like it's so important to differentiate. And as you said, it sometimes takes time to really feel right yourself but i feel like also fear comes usually with the tension in your body like there is some kind of heaviness or some kind of tension some kind of like as you say constriction just like something doesn't feel right in the body whereas i feel like intuition even if it's scary even if it's out of the comfort zone it doesn't feel like tension to me at least it never felt like tension it felt like okay maybe like a little bit like a, oh what's gonna happen uh kind of this this vibe but never like oh oh my god i feel so tense in my stomach or tense in my whatever throat uh it never felt to me personally like that so i feel like just as you said if if you get more in touch with your body and how your body feels you can more clearly say doing things like yoga or um, movement or whatever else you can clearly say if something gets tense if you feel like you're getting smaller or if you feel like, okay, this decision, although it's scary, is going to really expand me. And I felt it when I was starting this podcast, you know, I felt it like, oh, it is kind of unknown. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to even be able to talk to people well. Like, how am I going to, what am I going to ask them about? Like, how is it going to go? I'm going to set it all up. Oh my God, so many technical things and all these voices in my head, right? But I knew that this is going to be a great idea and I'm going to be loving it at some point once I get through these initial phases of like, my mind just going on random ramps <laughs> and just come, coming up with what could go wrong, right? And now here I am talking to, I don't know, my maybe 67th or 68th person that I'm talking to and uh, it's been great and I, I'm loving it. So I feel like sometimes you just need to get through this initial phase and, and like just sit with whatever comes up and then after you're going to discover what is going to happen and what the point was. And also one thing that I wanted to add and I'm curious if you're going to agree with me that sometimes... Even if you act upon fear, it is still your soul's purpose and mission to go and do this thing that you just did, right? So maybe it could be your learning that, okay, now I took action based on fear, not on my intuition, and I can see what consequences it has brought to my life. And it's great because now on my soul's evolution, I know exactly how it feels to go against my intuition and go with my fear and then the next time maybe you do the same maybe next time you do the same but then maybe fifth time you're like oh okay this is fear i know now because i've already experienced it so many times that now i can trust my intuition because i feel like sometimes people are yeah i need to listen to my intuition all the time otherwise i'm not enough or whatever right but it's not like that because if you go with fear and then you get your lesson then the next time maybe you're going to listen more to your heart. And so many times in my life I had this experience where intuition was saying something, I kind of like dismissed it. And I was like, why didn't I listen to this voice in my head? And then I was like, okay, okay, so I'm going to listen to you. So do you feel like that's also your experience and your, um, your truth that sometimes even if you go with the voice of fear, this is actually what's divinely meant to happen for us? <laughs> 
Mm, it's so beautiful. Um, I love that addition. I think that's um, a really cool reflection. And let's see, I don't know where I stand on that in terms of like, you know, part of our soul's mission. And I'm still kind of coming to my to my own understanding around that. But I think what what feels true to me is that, you know, it doesn't have to be this thing that leads to us beating ourselves up. You know, it doesn't have to be another thing that we did wrong. Kind of like you said, it's all part of our journey. Um, and that's something that I've, you know, had to come to terms with and had to accept around that every single thing that happened, every decision I made, every step I took led me to this place. And I wouldn't be this person that I am so grateful to be and that I love to be uh, now without all of those mishaps. And like you said, you have to learn how to trust your intuition. And that doesn't just happen overnight. It takes a lot of failure sometimes, you know, not failure, I guess, but um, learnings, you know, learning what what feels right and what doesn't feel right. Um, So I definitely agree. I think there's a way in which it it's always a lesson. It's always something that we can learn from if we if we choose to. Um, It's just more information. It's more data that we get into. Okay, that's how that felt when I when I acted out of fear good to know. Um, maybe I'll do something different next time. Maybe I won't, but, uh, it's just all more, more information. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. And also in order to really trust your intuition, you need to have some kind of relationship with it, right? With your heart or with your soul, however you want to call it, everyone calls it differently, but I feel like you need to first, like with anyone else, you are building a relationship. So at the beginning, maybe it's, you might not know uh, how it feels, or you might not know this, being or I don't know uh, this person <laughs> it's, it's hard to call it a being or a person but you don't, just might not be that familiar with this relationship but once you grasp it once you build the relationship once you put more focus and more energy into it it just grows because where your energy uh, goes your focus goes and and it just grows there right it amplifies so the more you connect to your soul connect to your intuition the easier it is for you to uh, feel it really and to be clear about it and everyone has intuitive mm. insights very differently like one peop- one person can have vision the other person can hear the voice the other person can just know some get some intuitive downloads straight away and so also being open to any way that our intuition communicates with us I think it's important because some people are like okay this person mm-hmm. sees vis- vision so now I don't see anything so now my intuition doesn't talk to me but it's not like that you need to discover what is your way what is your path and how does your intuition speak to you and it might be completely different than for other person um, and you need to build this relationship yourself I guess because otherwise it's, it's just not gonna happen so how do you build the relationship with your intuition mm, yeah a lot of it is just um, taking each moment as it comes and figuring out what wants to happen you know what wants to be said what I want to do how my body wants to move I I spent so much of my life kind of trying to manage myself. You know, I tried to present myself in a certain way. I tried to make sure people thought certain things about me. And, you know, I would question everything I said and did. And it was so exhausting, you know, just overthinking everything. Um, And when I made this shift to being more present of like, okay, what wants to come through me? Kind of this sense of like, I just need to get out of the way, you know, with all my stories and my thoughts and my neuroses and all of that. Like, if that wasn't there, what, what would want to happen? And oftentimes it's, I want to go for a walk in nature. I want to, you know, talk to my fiance. I want to move my body in an organic way. Um, I want to call a friend, you know, like when I tune into 
what wants to happen, it's always there. You know, it's always there underneath all the stuff and the stories. And um, so for me, it just happens in, in quiet moments. I, you know, have all my tools. I have a playlist that I put on, you know, before sessions with clients or if I'm feeling lost and, you know, that grounds me and I have my workouts that I like. So there's a way in which I've kind of cultivated this, this toolbox that now kind of feels just like I know what to grab for. Like there's always going to be something there. So that's what I think is so exciting about this work is like you said, it's so different for everyone. Everyone's intuition speaks to them in a different way. And it's kind of fun to figure out what works for you, how you tune into that. And it's like this exploration and it looks different, you know, for each person. So it's kind of, it's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. It is. And I feel like you mentioned something so crucial to just give space and time for the intuition to show up. And that means also being present, like not having just rushing thoughts all the time in your mind, because otherwise, like, how can you hear the inner voice if you your mind is creating so much noise, right? You cannot really get in touch with it if you don't create space and time for it. And also, I can I feel like I'm even saying it to myself because recently, the last few days have been crazy. Like things, I did, just did things all the time. I did workshops, I did the liver cleanse, I did the, you know, a lot of things, meeting friends, having a friend over from different country and all these things. And I feel like there was not much space. Of course, I was meditating a little bit here and there to just get in touch with myself again. But I feel like if I had more time, like let's say three hours, where I don't have anything planned, I don't have anything, the next thing to do, I would feel like I, I'm connecting to my higher self, to my intuition more, because then it's like this space and time, like this clear, yeah, just clear vision <laughs> or clear hearing or clear mm. uh, receptiveness to messages that can come. But when you're super busy, when you're like, okay, I do this, I do this, I do this, then you're constantly on the go and you're constantly in your mind on the go as well. And then there's no space for your intuition to even talk to you because how can it if you're constantly rushing? And uh, I'm just really practicing it to give myself time and space to relax and to really get in touch with it, to have like, you know, at least a few hours a day where I don't have anything planned because even doing this for the last three or four days where I was just having things like, you know, almost on top of each other, just schedule from one minute to the other, I have something to do. It already feels like, oh my God, I need to go and not do anything for a week now. <laughs> Maybe I'm exaggerating, but uh, yeah, I'm going to Spain on Tuesday. So it's going to be uh, probably good for me to just relax and then, you know, be on the beach and connect to myself. But I feel like it's so crucial what you mentioned about just giving it space and time and just not planning anything, just letting happen whatever needs to happen because otherwise it's all just coming from mind all coming from what am I supposed to do now to you know meet this person or to grow my business or whatever earn money whatever else the chatter in our mind can tell us but it's so important to just be open to anything to be open to the universe bringing to us whatever wants to happen as you are saying uh, rather than what our mind our small self limited perspective wants to happen so yeah, beautiful. That's really, really beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And you mentioned like, you know, uh, themes about like stories that we tell ourselves in our mind. And I would love to talk about this um, narrative work because I know that you're uh, using this with your clients and I haven't really been exploring this type of work yet. So I would love if you can share what it is and how it works and what kind of benefits it can bring for people. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, so there is a method 
called narrative therapy, which um, I'm, I have some training in, but I don't use too much with my therapy clients, but in creating this new coaching business, and I'm really trying to separate, you know, my therapy work from my coaching work, because that feels important to me to, you know, maintain that distinction. And so I'm thinking about how can I create this method, you know, that isn't necessarily therapy, but that brings in some of the tools that I've learned, some of the techniques that I've found are helpful um, in more of a coaching capacity. And so I've developed this method um, around like four steps towards working through your story. So um, the first step is to identify the story, get to know it. And the second step is to feel into it. So it's some of that somatic work that I was mentioning before. Notice where it lives in your body, noticing how it shows up for you, if it makes you constricted or expansive or kind of just what it feels like. And then the third step is to rewrite the story if you want to. You know, there's an invitation to get to know what other story could be there, you know, so that could be playing around with the opposite of the story. It could be getting rid of it completely. It could be just tweaking it a little bit. So that's some of the work that, um, you know, can be helpful. And then the fourth step would be integration, you know, so it takes time for our nervous systems, for our bodies to get used to new stories. So they're isn't this expectation of like, okay, we just rewrote the story, the old one's gone, we never think about it again. It's more this process continuously of what do I feel like when I believe this story? Do I want to believe that? Do I want to feel like that? Or do I want to shift it? And then, you know, throughout the day, finding moments where you can play around with, okay, if I act from the old story, what would I do? If I act from the new story, what would I do? Which one feels more aligned? Which one feels more in touch with my intuition and sense of self-trust? Um, so that's a little snapshot of it. But it's basically this sense of, you know, our minds come up with stories. It's how the brain works. And so not to try to get rid of them, but more to use them as our allies, to make them our friends, to fi figure out how to make them work for us in a way that feels good and helps us feel like the most empowered embodied version of ourselves mm -hmm. that sounds beautiful i actually did this millionaire mind workshop this weekend that i was talking about and one of the exercises that i really loved and it's kind of similar to what you're saying was to think of the person that you couldn't forgive that you're really angry and resentful towards and then to actually of course write down how you felt about this person and all this you know self-expression just hardcore just talking shit about them, you know, the worst uh, uh, things just to let it out of your body. But then there was this, uh, um, let's say, journaling prompt for actually stepping into their perspective and writing what their truth could be. And not necessarily that it was true, but when I did this, I was like, wow, this person could actually have so many different reasons for why they did what they did right and this was already like rewriting the story in my mind because in my mind okay this person did so bad to me because they were so whatever there right but then when i actually imagine that i'm them and then writing from their perspective i'm just like wow it's actually so different and for me it was um what was it? Ah, yeah, the story of like how one man was supposed to rent out a place for me and he said he's going to get rid of the mold. But then when we were moving in, the mold was still there and then we lost a lot of money because we couldn't, we didn't have a place and we lost a lot of money and he didn't, you know, he didn't like get rid of this mold and he took our money and it was just like, and then I was feeling into, oh, when I was in his perspective, I was like, 
I really need to provide for my family. Like my kids need to have food on the uh, on the table. Like I need this money. I really uh, need to charge for it. Like maybe I wouldn't like to, but I have to because this and that. And I was like, oh, <laughs> there could be so much going on in his mind. Uh, you know, and it was a situation a long time ago because I, I feel like <laughs> I've done a lot of like uh, forgiveness work, but this situation just came to my mind when I, when I did this, maybe like, I don't know, seven years ago, whenever it was. But I, when I was rewriting it, I mean, I was writing from his perspective i was like oh my god i didn't realize this and then it completely changed the way that i saw the situation because it's like oh and now i can have more compassion and understanding to this person because from their perspective this might be the best thing that they could have done considering a lot of factors that i maybe haven't seen in my mind at the time so just wanted to share this because i felt like for me it was a powerful um, journaling exercise i guess that i did just this weekend and it brought up a lot of peace i feel um and yeah just a lot of compassion so that was really really beautiful um and so i also ask about the benefits of the stories like how could the narrative work help us move through stuff and also maybe you can give like a specific example of what has been resolved thanks to this work mm, yeah thank you for the question and thank you for sharing that example um on your end that's really beautiful and I love that cultivating compassion for for the other person. Um, but yeah, let's see how it can help us in so many ways. I feel like, you know, these stories that we hold really tightly to, whether it's a story that was told to us that kind of just like worked its way in there and is stuck inside of us, whether it's a story that, you know, intergenerational passed along, you know, for decades and uh, centuries even, um, whether it's a cultural story, whether it's a social story, or whether it's something that we've internalized, um, you know, these stories can feel so heavy. And there's a way in which we get used to kind of who we are with that story. And so this work is kind of just an invitation to get curious about the story. It's, you know, the goal isn't even to get rid of a story or rewrite a story. It's more to just be open to alternatives, be open to what this story means to us, be open to who we are with it and who we might be without it. And so the invitation is just kind of an openness, um, curiosity, investigation. And there's something about that process that even just considering, even if you don't do any of the steps, even if you don't do any of the work, there's something about just considering, huh, that's a story I have that felt so true, but maybe it's just a story that even that, you know, inquiry can lead to so much more lightness and freedom and expansion. Um, so even just that in itself can be powerful. But I'll share an example for myself about this work, what what I've moved through with it. Um, let's see, I just shared this on my Instagram yesterday. So I, in middle school, I had a, you know, painful experience as many of us do and um, was bullied and felt kind of left out and shunned and ostracized. And there's a way in which this story kind of took its root in me of if I show up as myself, if I am messy, if I make mistakes, then I will be abandoned. So, you know, it kind of comes down to if I'm myself, I'll be rejected, which I think is such a common story. So many of us have it. If we show up as who we are in the world, we won't be accepted. And so that story like followed me around for so many years and it just really um led to me closing myself off to the world feeling like i couldn't 
be my authentic self. And so some of the work that I had to do was confront that story, ask myself if it was true. A lot of the work was somatic, moving it through my body. A lot of the work actually happened in, it has happened in my relationship with my fiance, who I feel like I'm so lucky to have a secure attachment with him. And it took, you know, a lot of work to get there, but I feel like there's something about having that embodied experience of I am actually accepted that feels, oh my gosh, it's so healing. Um, so anyways, a combination of that. And then my own narrative work around, okay, if this story isn't true, what other story might there be? Maybe the story could be if I'm myself, if I show up in my authenticity, people will love me. People will be inspired by me. People will want to be around me. And so there's a way in which acting from that story, you know, coming here today, starting my business, becoming a therapist, there's a way in which all of those decisions have come from this place of trusting myself, of believing that if I show up in the world as my authentic, you know, messy self and make mistakes, I'll I'll still be loved. I'll still be accepted. Maybe not by everyone, but by the people who matter and that that's, that's okay with me. Um, and just even saying that, it just feels so much better than, than the way I used to live. So mm. yeah, it's pretty cool. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. This is amazing. That's really inspiring and beautiful that you have been able to rewrite this story. And I feel like these kind of stories, as you said, so many people have and so many people live with it. So if we're able to look it in the eyes and be like, okay, do I still want to believe this or is it actually not serving me anymore? It's very, very powerful when you can do this. And sometimes it takes time, but that's okay because the more you, the more work you put in it, the better you feel in your life. So that's really, really beautiful. And thank you so, so much for sharing that. It's really, really inspiring. And so one last little question. Thank if you. people would like to work with you, they really resonate with you. What is the best way to find you and contact you? Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, probably Instagram. I do have a website, but Instagram, I'm you know more responsive via DMs and comments and stuff. So my Instagram is at Kayla Salisbury, K-A-E-L-A-S-A-L-I-S-B-U-R-Y underscore. Um, send me a DM. And then in the next couple of weeks, I'm actually going to have some more coaching offers um, that'll, you know, you can just sign up through my website. So keep an eye out for that. But Yeah, I would love to connect with anyone who felt like they resonated with me because um, it fills me with so much joy. It lights me up to talk to people about this. Amazing. I can really feel it. You're so authentic and so embodied in everything that you're talking about. So thank you so much for sharing Mm -hmm. this because uh, I feel like the topics that we touched upon are really crucial, really important. So I'm super grateful that you shared yourself with us and yeah, send you so much love and gratitude. Mm, Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. It's been such a joy. Thank you, thank you, thank you, beautiful people for tuning in and listening to us. I feel like the topics were so, so crucial and so important to trust yourself. And I wish for you, whoever listens, that you're going to trust yourself even more after listening to this conversation. I'm setting this intention for you and sending you so much love and gratitude and stay tuned to the next episode.